0: Welcome to the Gridiron Show and it's our week 15 review show. Well, kind of. We're already at Wednesday, but there's loads of us still to talk about ahead of the Christmas games. We're going to be joined by Baltimore Ravens safety and legendary beard grower Eric Weddle, Ben Mortimer from Touchdown Trips to give you an update on the Gridiron Tour for next year and legendary Jags left tackle Tony Baselli on the firing of Gus Bradley. This is the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin joining you from his lovely home. Christmas tree is up. Presents are starting to appear underneath as Amazon Prime bother to deliver them. And with Ollie off bothering the slopes of, I don't know, some posh French village in the south of France, we're joined on the line by the editor of Gridiron Magazine and new father, Matthew Sherry. Hello, Matthew.
1: Hi, guys. Well, hi, guys. Hi, Will. I'm uh, I'm just looking up the uh, young Thomas now. So, yeah, it's uh, crazy times.
0: Now, I didn't even think about it at the time, but when I did the NFL show last week and um, Nat Coombs asked me what your son was called, and I said, Thomas, he went, oh, of course he is. Did you name your son after Tom Brady? <laughs>
1: I've never even thought of that, genuinely. <laughs> well, that's a rail had brought us,
0: isn't it? <laughs> I, it was the first thing that
1: he I've said. Never, I've, I'm yet to make that connection, and nobody else has either. That is absolutely unbelievable.
0: There you go. So we, we figured you'd if you had another son, it would be called Brady, and then... Uh... <laughs> God This is this is subconsciously
1: done, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and that's, I think. it's probably a little bit sad, really, isn't it? But there we go.
1: The main thing is that we had four names picked out and, uh, and after he'd been born, I actually let my wife choose the name, so well, there you she go. definitely wouldn't have named him after Tom Brady.
0: <laughs> She's had to listen to you talk about the NFL so much that it's become ingrained in her consciousness and therefore she went, oh, do you know what name I like? Tom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, mate, top stuff. Um, and you're all prepared for the first Christmas with the Wii and I hear you've been making... Top. Well, I was going to say he'd been making gravy. For some reason, that as I said those words, it didn't sound like I literally meant making gravy, but I do mean making gravy.
1: I've been making gravy, yeah. I'm just to meet parents' house where I was spending Christmas. I always like to get the gravy done early as I think it's easily the most important part of a Christmas dinner. I'm sure you agree.
0: I think uh, when we're out in Houston, we're going to have to leave you back at the Airbnb on one of the days <laughs> just to make us a big roast and make a gravy and do it all because... From what I've heard, you're quite the culinary man, Matt Sherry, and uh, therefore uh, we need to experience this.
1: Yeah, I, I mean you're not leaving me behind one day, but I'll, I will do something <laughs> one night. Um, we could do with a we could do with a slow and low proper smoker barbecue, couldn't we, in Texas?
0: I reckon we can probably, be awesome. I reckon we could probably buy one off the cheap on eBay and just then just leave it as a present for our uh, Airbnb yeah, host. Yeah, that be cool, would Just, uh, just
1: stick a load of, put a load of rubs together, stick the meat in at the start of the day, and imagine coming home to that.
0: I'm literally looking it up as we speak. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk football. The fact is, we're already at Wednesday, so we're a bit far removed from week 15. Just two weeks left of the NFL regular season. Four teams are now into the playoffs. Obviously, the, uh, the New England Patriots sealing their eighth AFC East title in a row. You lucky bastards Uh, and the Oakland Raiders reaching the playoffs for the first time since 2002 Uh, they've joined the Seahawks who were in there on Thursday night thanks to their win over the Rams and the Dallas Cowboys Uh, we're going to be talking about all those teams but I figured what we should do is talk about the biggest talking points from Week 15, as we do on our Tuesday Morning Touchdown blog on the Gridiron website, head to gridiron-magazine.com. And you can see the thoughts of myself, Matt Sherry, Ollie Hunter, Craig Llewellyn, who's a uh, contributor to the magazine. Occasionally, Liam Blackburn, uh, Pete Carline from the Mail's on there today. So we're going to go through those talking points and we're going to hear from some massive uh, interviews. Uh, admittedly, if you do listen to the Walk 2 NFL show, you'll have heard some of these parts of these interviews before because we kind of used half of them each for the NFL show but you're going to hear the full extended interview with Eric Weddle you're going to hear the full interview with Tony Buscelli the legendary Jags tackle and now colour commentator for the radio and we're going to bring you the, uh, our, our track with Ben Mortimer so you can find out more ahead of our tour for next year, it's all very exciting Matt Sherry
2: It is
1: give me two seconds Well, I'm just going to go put his dummy back in <laughs>
2: Oh, buddy.
0: I um, I tweeted this morning that I'd uh, managed to have a lion today, which is the first time in about three months with the we- with the schedule I've been working recently. And I got a lot of stick from dads across the NFL UK family saying, oh, try having two young kids and da-da-da. Have you slept at all, Matt Sherry? Not really. No. Not a lot. Mm. Uh, give me a chat. Hello. Cool. Right. Let's crack on. I guess before. Yeah. Any, let's go. Mate. Before anyone wakes up again.
1: Oh, yeah, By the way, they shouldn't wake up now. But did so? Sud- I know Ollie said we got accredited, but did we get the radio raw spot as well?
0: Uh, I haven't had that confirmed. But Ollie is uh, skiing at the moment, so uh, Fair enough. yeah, I uh, will know soon enough.
1: I'm sure we will get it, especially if they're paying for ISDN.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, yeah. uh, just bringing that up. I can't remember what we were last saying. Oh, we'd we so. Yeah, um, mm, mm, mm. was the
1: sound all right? Because I mean, I Saturday, that thing in the background was that all fine?
0: Yeah, no, that was all fine. That was all good. Got
1: well, the gravy made as well. That's the good news.
0: That's the main thing. <laughs> Uh, So, yeah, what we'll do, Matt, we'll uh, look through the topics that we were discussing on uh, the Tuesday morning touchdown on the website gridiron.com, look at some of the big stories and we'll look forward to and preview thursday night football as well let's start off with the biggest bit of news from the nfl this weekend particularly as far as uh london-based fans and english-based fans are concerned and that was the tenure of gus bradley coming to an end in jacksonville well not coming to an end in jacksonville coming to an end in texas And then having to catch a flight back with the rest of the team and the players and everyone else back to Jacksonville. Um, But uh, he's such a nice bloke that if there's one person I can imagine actually being able to do that and uh, having quite a pleasant flight home, it's probably Gus Bradley.
1: Yeah, the the unrelenting positivity means that I'm sure he was (laughs) I'm sure it was fine. I think there's a lot of coaches where that wouldn't have been a good situation, but I think with Gus it would be okay.
0: So, I mean, what we should do here, let's hear from Tony Baselli, the legendary Jags left tackle, who um, was at the game, uh, his thoughts on Gus Bradley and what they're going to do next, and then we'll get uh, our thoughts on the situation.
2: No, I think everyone knew it was coming. I, I, I would be remiss to say I, didn't, I was a little bit surprised that it happened with two games left, and in the way it happened it caught me by surprise. I thought they'd let it play out through the rest of the season and then make the change. Uh, so that timing was a little bit shocking. But overall, I think uh, everyone knew, you know, because of the record and uh, what had happened this season, that there was probably going to be a change made at the top. That's how the NFL works, you know. Whether it's, you know, it's not always one guy's. It's never one guy's fault. It's not how it works. Anyone who's been a part of any organization understands that it's a lot of people that lead to success and a lot of people that are responsible when things don't work out. But the way the NFL is structured and the way it works, the first guy who's going to take it is the head coach. And uh, that was a decision that was made, and uh, you move forward. It, it
0: was interesting, because Dave Caldwell has done an interview since the firing happened, the Jags GM, and, and said that very specifically, they were influenced by the fact that the LA Rams let Jeff Fisher go last week, and they wanted to get ahead of the curve in, in terms of the coaching. But to me, what that suggests is that the Jags still felt there was opportunity for Gus Bradley, say he, he won the last three games. Otherwise, why wouldn't you have already fired him already so that's the kind of thing that i find interesting about the timing and now the search going forwards for a new head coach
2: no i think that's right and it also makes you think you know who are they looking at because you can't talk to anyone who has a current nfl job and so that leaves you guys who are not employed right now Uh, you know whether it's the guys in the booth like a john gruden or bill cowher or tom coughlin uh, or the college ranks. Do you try to go into the college ranks? You know, make a big splash with one of the big college coaches. So, because you can't talk to anyone that has a current NFL job uh, until their team is done, or if they have a bye week in the playoffs, you can talk to them to them during that week. So. The only thing I can figure is that there's somebody out there that isn't currently employed in the NFL that they're interested in talking to. Do you think there's any
3: chance at all, Tony, that um, that this is also a chance to get two games to see if Maroney could do something, if there's a desire to keep some continuity and you see if maybe there's a, a, a way of preserving something rather than tearing the whole thing up?
2: You know, I'm not sure. I think uh, Doug's a very good coach and I think he'll get a chance to interview for the job. But if you wanted to give it a real trial, I think you probably had done it even earlier and mm-hmm. give him a number of games. It's hard to do make any major changes with just two games left on the schedule. Um, you know, there's so much water's already under the bridge. A lot has already happened, and with such a short time, I think it'd probably be unfair to make a, a judgment either way about Doug Marrone just based on two games and what he's able to do. He's a very good coach. Uh, he has a track record of. Having success, he'd had a good year in, in Buffalo at 9-7 and seven before he decided himself to step away. So I think uh, he's definitely a viable candidate that should be looked at.
0: Look, what I think, uh, the reason I'm slightly disappointed by the the sacking, though I know, I think we all knew it was coming, is the defense is finally starting to play this year, actually, you know, Getting Dante Fowler back. Uh, yeah, the, the guy they drafted this year on the defensive line has been very good. Jalen Ramsey got a pick at the weekend. And actually, they're right up there in the top five in, in total yardage in terms of defence. But what it means is there's a lot of focus on what's happening with the offence this year. And particularly with Blake Bortles, with his throwing motion, he's struggling. Do you think they need to be looking to somebody offensive-minded? Somebody maybe with a quarterback background who can make the difference for Blake in particular?
2: You know I'm not a big believer that the coach is really has that much overall impact on the x's and O's necessarily. Not that they can't. But the head coach is the leader. He's the CEO of the uh, of the football side of it. He is the he needs to be able to manage the staff and pick and build a good staff and manage the team and and set the vision of where they're going. And the key is is hiring good coordinators that can play that role of getting the offense and defense to do what you want. Not that the head coaches don't, you know, delve into one side of the ball that maybe they're more comfortable with or where their background is and give uh, input, but it's such a big job. I think a lot of times that is put on the coordinator position to really uh, emphasize the individual positions and strategy and kind of game plan week in and week out.
0: And Tony, you were there on uh, on Sunday night at the NRG where we're going to be heading for the Super Bowl in February. And, and I'm wondering, just not from a Janks perspective, but from the Texans' side of things, how you felt as a former player seeing brock osweiler getting benched seeing the reaction that the stadium gave to seeing uh, tom savage come out and then the decision afterwards bill o'brien etc coming out and saying that you know uh, he feels that any of the quarterbacks could do that job they spent so much money on osweiler that it just seems amazing to do it mid-game and to get that sort of reaction
2: well, I give, uh, you know, watching that game, I was disappointed he did it because uh, we had a much better chance of winning with Brock Osweiler in there. And so if I'm being honest, I wish he wouldn't have made the change. Um, but with that said, I think, you know, you look at it and uh, I think it took great leadership and great conviction by Bill O'Brien. It was the right decision. They uh, Savage came in and turned that game around and got things going. And I give him credit to have the conviction to move forward like that. He understands his team. He understands what they need to do. They're in a playoff, uh, they're in the playoff hunt. They're racing for the division title. And he said, this is best for my team. And I think that's what needs to be done. That's what good, good leadership is. You look at the big picture and you put all emotions aside and saying, what's best for this team? And if it's Tom Savage, then let's go with them.
0: Uh, Tony, it's always great fun catching up with you, uh, regardless, even if the situation isn't the most positive. Have a wonderful Christmas, my friend, and uh, uh, let's uh, hope that we speak next year. I'm sure you'll be back over in London as well for the game with the Ravens. And, uh, yeah, it'll be a more positive outlook when we next speak.
2: Hey, well, Merry Christmas to you guys. Look forward to it.
0: All right, Matt, we've heard from Tony Buscelli. Uh, I mean, this was uh, as inevitable... decision as any other possibly in the NFL this year. But I'm slightly put off by the timing of it because... Uh, Dave Caldwell has come out since and admitted that it was down to the fact that the LA Rams had sacked Jeff Fisher that kind of inspired them to go ahead and do it earlier not wait till the end of the season but I think the Rams did it because they're seriously considering trying to go for a previous head coach who is not in the league at the moment or because they're looking to get somebody like a Nick Saban out of college football or or, uh, we've obviously heard Jim Harbour mentioned a lot are those really the sort of people that Jacksonville are going to be going for? Because people who are in a job at the moment, are you can't talk to them yet. It, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an
1: interesting one. My failing on it is that the, the RAM might ultimately fail to get one of the big guys. I think they're going to try and make a huge run, Gruden, but. Um, I've I just got kind of a feeling that that won't happen and, and the problem is it's all well and good chasing those guys but you need to actually get one to commit to taking the job Harbaugh's not taking it Pete Carroll isn't going to take it I don't see Saban leaving now to be honest and if Saban did leave I, I still think the Colts will be the best place for him um, I'm not sure he'd, he'd want to go and the Sabans are a family who love being this, the epicentre of the community that they're in, Nick, yeah. Nick Sabin and his wife do. He's not going to get that in Los Angeles. So I just don't see a fit there at all. So I think from Jacksonville's perspective, they're kind of reading the tea leaves and saying, well, soon as, if, if it emerges they can't get one of those guys, then suddenly it's Josh McDaniels, Carl Shanahan. And I think McDaniels makes a load of sense in Jacksonville he's got an existing relationship with Dave Caldwell and I'm, I have got a feeling that it will be McDaniels in Jacksonville so I would think they know that he would also be in the list for the Rams and that they'd like to um, they'd like to tie down their guy and, and And this gives them the best opportunities to
0: do that. Certainly, I think he needs to be an offensive-minded guy. We saw the the defense is starting to work now. We actually saw takeaways in Jacksonville this past weekend, well, in Texas, which has been a rarity at times. When you look at total yardage rankings, that sort of thing, the Jacksonville defense have actually been impressive this year. It's just been the opposite of the previous season where... One unit's doing it for you, the other one isn't and whilst every off-season we seem to have approached it with some positivity about what's going to happen with the Jags you do feel like with a good offensive mind and with someone who can work with Blake Bortles and work on those mechanics there is still potential there for a good football team
1: Yeah, and I mean uh, mechanics can't be fixed in season but the fact that Bortles has fixed them before in the off-season tells me that he can do it again um, they've found Mark Lee this year as well who's given them yet another really viable receiving threat and if ever, if ever a team has been a head coach away at Jacksonville they've got a top five defence at the moment and, and if you put the offence from, from last year together with this year's defence they're probably a really dangerous playoff team, and that might sound a bit like hyperbole, but it, it's true. I mean, yeah, they, no, we no, no, agree. No, 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 <laughs> and, and, uh, and and probably a, an offensive lineman or two away as well, because our friend Kelvin Beecham's has not had a great year to be to be truthful, and and has really fallen off the last few weeks, which suggests to me there might be a little niggle injury that often happens with linemen late in the year. Um, but yeah, I think they need a couple of really good offensive linemen. They need to sort balls as mechanics and they need a head coach. Those, those things aren't impossible to get in off-season by any stretch.
0: Who would have thought, however, at the start of the, week, the, the end of Week 15, the start of Week 16, the game we'd be talking most about would be the Jags-Texans? Because that wasn't the only massive decision to be made in the game uh, at the weekend or after the game at the weekend. The reaction from the Houston crowd at that NRG Stadium when they benched Brock Osweiler and brought in Tom Savage. And Tom Savage, uh, all right, he doesn't look like a world beater, but actually put together a couple of decent drives, one to effectively win the game for them. Uh, what did you make of the the callback change?
1: Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, it was the right call. What, what Tom Savage did look like, is a guy who can quarterback in that system. And it's a really difficult system to quarterback in. It's and uh, it's based the option now. It's very much the New England offense. It's probably the hardest system for a quarterback to pick up, which is why uh, it's interesting because a lot of people are <laughs> praising John Elway, even though he offered Brock Osweiler $16 million a year. Um, and I, I actually think the Broncos would be a better team with Osweiler than Simeon and I think Simeon has a chance to be a better quarterback but Osweiler fits that system he doesn't fit this Texans system which is the main problem and they've got good skill position players in Houston so you kind of just need a guy who, who can work within that system and it looks like Tom Savage can do that I thought he looked really really impressive and and I, but I think the key is that he fits what they do and, and that is I think there was a lot of projection when they signed Osweiler that he would fit that and he, and he really doesn't so so yeah, it made a lot of sense for, for all those reasons, I think.
0: Uh, moving on to uh, the next topic that we had on the Tuesday morning touchdown. Ty learns on the fly. Ty Montgomery being converted from a, a wide receiver to a running back. And all oh, right, I understand that he had uh, the, a ridiculous 156 yards, 16 carries, two touchdowns. Um, I, I still don't think he doesn't look like a, a full out lead back to me. I think it's a Bears defense which has suffered a horrible amount of injuries and, and game flow, and and the way that this this game looked. People will forget when they see the tight score line at the end that the Packers were dominant up until kind of late in the third quarter. But uh, what I do think is that what it's allowed is Ty Montgomery is, yes, he's carrying the ball up middle, but also because he is a receiver and because he's he can be used as a receiving back. He's been getting out into the flat. He's been... Uh, he's been offering that secondary option to Rogers when they're incredibly timing-based, they're incredibly slant-based system, which Rogers hasn't been uh, sticking to over the past 12 months or so. He's become a lot more scheduled. And having an option coming out of the backfield is keeping, uh, is keeping the safeties, is keeping the corners a lot more honest, is forcing them to not double cover both of the receiving options coming out of the X, coming out of the slot. And actually it's allowing the whole offense to open up. And you saw it with the, uh, the big 60 yard bomb to Jordy Nelson where there were three or four receiving options and it was a classic Green Bay. You let the play develop. A, someone gets open and Rodgers will find them. And if, that he is uh, allowing them to completely open that up. I fully expect them to win the next two games, including the game against the Lions, go to the playoffs, and, and suddenly, with how well their defence has played in fits and starts this year, they could be a dangerous team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the way the, the, the Bears came back in that game is, is really troubling. But uh, it, I think the offence is, is looking a lot better. I think three things have happened in the last two weeks to the offence. Ty Montgomery is one of them. I think Jared Cook has become a bigger part of the offence and for the yeah. first time in I don't know how long, uh, probably since um, Jamichael Finley, who, who Rodgers and him hated each other, but still they were pretty viable together. They, they've got a tight end in that offence, which is really important. I mean, they haven't had one really for a couple of years now who's, who's any good. And, and he's been a bigger part of the passing game. But, and I think the, the calf injury has helped Rodgers as well because it forces him to stay in the pocket and, and go through his progressions rather than just scrambling. I think at times that the ability to scramble the way he can can be both a gift and a curse for Rodgers. Yeah. And, and, and I think, that, I think the injury has helped. And, and you might say that, that when, he, when he's healthy... Hopefully that that period of of having to stay in the pocket kind of retrains his brain into those ways. But Rogers has been sensational in the last few weeks. He's back to back to the guy that we we've seen and we know he can be. I would still like to see them change the offense in the off season because I think that it is still too reliant on the on skilled players actually getting open rather than helping them with scheme. But certainly it looks like the run offense that. Now we'll hopefully progress week to week. And then I think the number four now will find five, five this week and were five last week because as much as they're in the playoffs at the moment, as things stand, I don't think there's a team in the league who fancies playing Aaron Rodgers when he's in this kind of mood. So, so yeah, they're, they're looking like a really dangerous team. I've, I've still got a feeling they might, they might get beat off the Lions I just, I just think that the, the Lions are a little bit of a meant to be team this year but we'll, we'll, we'll say. I mean if you were going into that game for the division you would probably back Green Bay.
0: Yeah and I think if we're going to be talking about the fine five as well in a little while but I mean the the, the Giants win over the Lions, uh, I've been not very good I've not been convinced by the Giants up until the last few couple of weeks with the Cowboys and then the Lions games because prior to that they beat in a bunch of no-name teams, they hadn't actually looked that brilliant, they'd looked yeah. okay on defense, but uh, but really not that strong on offense. There weren't a huge number of options. It was requiring things like a 60-yard touchdown play from Odell Beckham, which was caught on a slant route and then taken 55 yards after the catch in order to win them games. But they've been really impressive the last couple of weeks because even without JPP, and now it seems like without Janoris Jenkins for Thursday night football, the, that defense has, has really stepped up. Uh, the next thing on our uh, Tuesday morning touchdown is this terrible twos. The, the fact that Twice within the same period of games, we saw two teams, the Titans and then the Eagles, when they were a point down, looking to tie the game, probably to take it into overtime, although obviously for the Eagles it was very different because it was right at the death, versus the Titans, who did get another chance with the ball eventually. Uh, They went for two. They took the big, bold coaching decision. Um, It's a funny one because for the Titans... I understood why it made sense because of the cold, because of the fact that you're playing in Arrowhead, you might not have a better opportunity. For the Eagles, I guess it's just a case of, well, our season's done, why not? That's the only reason I can really justify it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've no problem with the Eagles, for that reason. I mean, I did, at that point, the Eagles are at nowhere. If they get the win, great. If they don't, it probably benefits them anyway, because they get a higher draft pick at the end of the year. So <laughs> what's the point? I mean... You, you may as well just do that. Um, the Titans, I thought, was completely ridiculous, and they were very lucky to get away with it. I mean, uh, I can understand uh, I can understand the argument. However, the way it played out was the absolute best-case scenario in terms of they forced the three-and-out, they then moved it to about a 53-yard field goal. That was the best-case scenario. The chances of them hitting a 53-yard field goal in those conditions... And he said it himself, we're, we're 10% or less, and obviously he hit it great, you, you look like a bit of a genius, but in reality, it just wasn't playing the percentages at all for a no. team who'd actually roared back into that game, had all the momentum in their favour, and even had they kick the extra point, it doesn't change the fact that if got to three it out, they got a three-and-out, they could still try and work their way into the field goal range.
0: Yeah, I so think, think the, the difference potentially would have been is that, I, I think the you might not have seen the same play calling from Kansas City if the game had been level. I think they went ultra-conservative, which I know Kansas City do, when they got the three and out, and that's why the Titans were able to force it. I I think there's an interesting... With Kansas City, I still really like Kansas City, even though they lost this game. I still really like them in the AFC overall. I think they came up against the worst defence for them to face right now because the Titans are so strong in their front seven, but you can pick apart their secondary, except Kansas City don't really have a downfield threat unless Travis Kelsey is playing well, and after four consecutive 100-yard games, he actually had a bit of a duffer this week. So they...
1: See, I I would disagree with that. I think with Tyreek Hill and Macklin, they do have the downfield threats now. I I like Andy Reid. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league, but he has that horrible trade of when he gets ahead... The, the teams do get, his teams do get negative and and I think he buys into that coaching maxim of you can't win a game until you do what you need to do to make sure you don't lose a game which is fair enough but I think there are times when you need to look at where you're at in a game and think if we score another touchdown here the game's effectively over um, I, I have problems with Kansas City I mean I, I wouldn't fear them if I was an opposing team massively especially as a Periots fan, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fear them. It's, it's <laughs> I mean, amazing
0: that, isn't it? Because they've got the best turnover ratio, they've got the most turnovers in the league on defence.
1: Ass- I always think like- turnovers are unsustainable in the playoffs, though. I think you start to play teams who don't turn the ball over in the playoffs. And you find those turnover-heavy defenses, and I know this from from the Patriots have had a, have had a lot of those in, over the years. And in the playoffs, it doesn't sustain. It's great during the regular season, but I don't think that defense is good is anywhere near as good as it has been the last couple of years. It's a lot more flashy players, but I think you can move the ball on them a lot more effectively than you have been able to in previous years. Justin Houston had that great game against Denver, but isn't yet back to, to the guy he was outside of that performance. And but I still think,
0: I think that's just, coming. I still think that can come in come yeah, the playoffs.
1: Absolutely, and I hope it does, because he's, he's one of the most fun players to watch in the league, and, and I really hope it does. But I just think, I don't know why you might disagree, but I just think that kind of defense is unsustainable in the playoffs. And You generally find that the, that the turnovers don't come as frequently in the playoffs as they do in the regular season. And I think there are a lot of defenses like that where it it just hasn't materialised and uh, and I mean the the problem is still the, the Alex Smith situation in that I think you need a Denver Broncos-style defence from last season to win with Alex Smith, and I'm not sure Kansas City has that.
0: Now, what I wrote about for the Tuesday Morning Touchdown was also related to this game, so I'll just get it out of the way now. Stop icing the kicker. It's stupid, particularly in that sort of situation. What you've done there is you've gone... I, I almost understand icing the kicker if you've done it before they've actually like got ready to snap the ball. If you've done it as they're getting ready to line up so they don't even have a practice kick at here because what you get in that situation is you're forcing someone to be out there in the cold they've not got their big jacket on in front of the heaters while they're practicing their kicks and you're extending that by an extra minute 40 seconds whatever that will be but to do it in the moment when basically you're giving them a practice run when it's that cold when the conditions are that horrendous when uh, the game is on the line i just think you've you've if there's a kicker who's in any way worth their salt, that will help them rather than hinder them. And I, it really, it really annoyed me when Graham Gano actually missed a field goal after being iced in the first game of the year because because it made people go, oh, look, icing the kicker does work." And I'm like, "Oh, it's of course. Every now and again, you're going to fluke your way to it happening, but." It just was so the wrong situation, and another example of Andy Reid—he trying to outcoach someone by being overly clever with something, and it just—you didn't need it. It just the situation didn't need it. You weren't upping your percentages by icing the kicker there.
1: I've spoken to I think four kickers in my life about this. I, I, I don't know why. I've just whenever I've <laughs> had the opportunity to speak to a kicker, I've asked them because it just interests me. I think it, and everyone has said they prefer to be iced. It's, it's a much better situation for them. Collect their thoughts, have a practice kick, which, I mean, anybody who's played golf knows that a practice swing is, is, you generally hit the ball a lot better. But also, in that situation as well, it's magnified by the fact that, I mean, any of our listeners can do this. Go and kick a really hard football, then kick it again. It won't hurt your foot as much the second time. That is a fact. You've acclimatized to it. It's a lot easier, and in them kind of conditions, them balls are like rock, mm-hmm. literally. And secondly, just go and stand in the cold for for five minutes, and and I would guarantee that minutes three to five, you'd be a little bit warmer than you were one to 3 uh, like next. It,
0: let's hear from away from the ice and the kicker conversation the two point conversation is something that came up when I spoke with the Baltimore Ravens safety Eric Weddle I wished him luck for the pro bowl vote that evening because uh, you know he has been a perennial pro bowler all pro in recent years he didn't actually get voted in last night um, he's the classic available he'll be an alternative I imagine if somebody steps down but he didn't make the vote last night however we did have a really good conversation and I asked him about the lining up of that situation uh he, the, I asked him about the the what you see when you're seeing a team go for something so unexpected as going for two in that situation how does the defense react were you ready for it um uh, but you know i just started off by introducing him and wishing him a merry christmas so joined now by multiple time all pro multiple time pro bowler legendary beard grower and uh, all round right top man from everything i understand from people i've spoken to in the league safety for the baltimore ravens it's eric Weddle. eric thank you for taking the time out to join the uh, nfl show Man, can you uh, redo that introduction? That was that made me feel good right there. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I mean, I can keep just plumping up everything about no, you, no, you no, for the next. No, you're <laughs> good, you're good. I
4: appreciate that.
0: the the uh, The Pro Bowl vote the the Pro Bowl vote is announced tonight. Surely you're feeling pretty confident ahead of that.
4: We shall see. You never know. You never know. You're always grateful when you make it, and
0: it's added motivation if you don't. So you just uh, keep chugging along. Uh, look, uh, first of all, to wish you happy Christmas this week. You've got a big game coming up on Sunday on Christmas Day itself. I wonder how does that go down with the wife, the kids traveling to Pittsburgh for a road game?
4: Yeah, they'll stay at home. Uh, we got four kids, eight, seven, five and a half and two and a half. So they know uh, they know Santa comes on Christmas Day or, you know, Christmas Eve. So they'll open presents without me and hopefully I'll come home with a win. And, uh, and a happy husband and dad for sure.
0: You had a pretty good game against them earlier in the year, restricting Le'Veon Bell to, what, like 30-odd yards and and getting that divisional win, but for you in the past, it's not necessarily been the happiest of hunting grounds. What what do you fancy for your chances against the Steelers this weekend?
4: I love our chances. Uh, you know, they're, they're one of the best teams in the league, playing at their place Chris, uh, Christmas Day under the lights. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this, so we got to play our best, and uh, when it comes down to making those plays, those defining plays and moments in the game, we got to make it and, and get the win.
0: Because it's an interesting one. Like I'm guessing not unlike the London game, which you guys have got coming up next year, coming out here to face the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's got to be a funny one when that pops up on the schedule at the beginning of the year, saying, man, we're playing on December the 25th. Is, <laughs> that, is that right? Is that a typo? No, we are playing Christmas Day.
4: Yeah, it's, uh, once you get past that, the whole fact that you're not going to be around, you get pretty excited. I mean, there's not many games that you get to play in where everybody will be watching. I mean, this is almost as big as a Super Bowl game where everyone will be at home, hanging out with family and friends, watching football, and uh, it doesn't get much better.
0: I remember you going and taking on Big Ben, uh in Hinesfield, with the Chargers back in the playoffs. You'll have to remind me of the year. I just, I remember the game. I remember it being high scoring and you getting a sack, but not getting the result you wanted. Yep. Uh, in terms of, as a quarterback, he's a guy who can hold on to the ball a little bit longer. It's going to be cold come Sunday. Do you fancy yourself to get in a bit of action and maybe get back at Ben again?
4: Oh, I sure hope so. I'm, I'm good buddies with Ben and have nothing but uh, respect, man and admiration for what he's done over his career and shoot if i can get a shot on him and bring him down i'm gonna do it and if he throws it my way hopefully i'm in good position that i can pick him off
0: <laughs> I, I look at the uh, the recent run uh, winning five year last seven but the split is all five of those wins coming at home and, and struggling a bit more on the road what do you think it is about your team at the moment that just means that you're not quite getting it done when you're away from the uh mt bank
4: yeah, I mean it's always tough to play on the road. I think we're we're mentally tough. Um, we play good physical football to, to win on the road. We just haven't executed and done the necessary things to to win on the road, which is take care of the football, don't give up big plays on defense, and when it win the two minute situations, whether it's before the half or at the end of the game. And you know when we get that time when we come come Sunday, we'll we'll be ready for the, for those. Uh, instances to come and we got to we got to take advantage of them
0: and you guys faced one of those very biggest situations this past sunday because out of nowhere and i think it really shocks everyone to see it happen the eagles through caution to the wind decided to go for two when they're down just a point is that something that you guys have in any way prepared for in, in training and in practice oh yeah we go over those situations all the time uh we go over their uh the opponent's
4: favorite two two point play uh, plays that they love to run and we kind of figured them coming into our place with the record they had and being on a losing streak that they were going to do whatever it takes to try to get a win so we were ready we were up for the challenge and we made the play to win the game uh,
0: uh, the, the guys involved in that secondary and, and we, we put out on Twitter and on our Facebook that you were coming on the show today and and one of the guys who came up in a big way was uh new man in your secondary the young man webb and asking you know he's made a couple of big plays recently and and how much do you feel that you've helped this young man out
4: yeah he's he's really grown into the position uh he struggled early on obviously it's a tough transition uh playing from corner coming from corner and and going to safety uh but he's he's made strides he listens he takes criticism, and he always he takes feedback uh, to help his game. And he's really played outstanding for us over the last, you know, six games.
0: You guys, uh, you've personally been out here with the Chargers back in what 2008 when you faced the Saints again. Not necessarily the, the result you guys wanted, but we're all hoping that it's another chance for a high-scoring game that you bring us another exciting game like that. Oh, the, yeah. the, uh, when the announcement something about like London is made, how much of a ripple does that make in the locker room? Are young guys asking you about it, or is it something that's put to the back of the mind? To, you can be honest with us on this. You don't have to say, just because you're British guys, <laughs> yeah, we're all about London.
4: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously our focus as of right now, is Pittsburgh, but when we first got the announcement, I had been telling guys what an amazing trip it was when I went in 2008, and how I've been wanting to go back ever since, just because I'm older, I think I'd appreciate it a little more and enjoy it, Uh, you know, everything that we we could do out there, so once it got announced, we were all pretty hyped, because this organization hasn't been to London before and played over there, so... Uh, it was it gave us a little pep in our step, uh needless to say, and we're excited and when the time comes, hopefully we'll put on a great show for everybody.
0: Well, we're gonna claim that Eagles win for London then if you don't mind. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> a little birdie tells me you're a big golf fan as well. You get the bye oh, yeah. week after you're out here, you know, maybe stick around, play some of the famous courses out here. Oh yeah,
4: I would love to. I uh for my wife and I's ten year anniversary we went to London, Scotland and Ireland. Uh, for seven, eight days, and we traveled around, and I, and I got in a bunch of golf, and it's it's majestic out there. It's it's really it's one of the places in the countries that you everyone should visit and, and experience because it's definitely uh one of a kind and truly special.
0: Uh, look, sorry, I already had a huge amount of respect for you already, Eric, but you went on your ten year anniversary and you played golf. <laughs> you betcha.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I got an amazing wife because if not it might have been a different story
0: Uh, (laughs) brilliant stuff uh looking at uh the the coaching side of things there in baltimore obviously big for you having come from so many years out in san diego and the situation there but it's very settled in baltimore john harbour's been doing a brilliant job there over the past six seven years brought a quarter bowl to the uh, course brought a super bowl to the city uh I was amazed this weekend when he came out and was very honest about the quality of the offensive play calling. Is that the kind of guy that you've got to know over the past, say, six months or so?
4: Yes, Coach Harbour is is very passionate. He's very direct. Uh, He's honest, but he's genuine and he's loyal and he'll shoot you straight. And as a player, you can respect that because you always know where you're at. You always know where you stand within the scheme, within the team. And when your head coach comes out and says he makes a mistake, then it's easier for everyone else to, to man up to, to their teammates and to the coaches. And if you messed up, hey, come out and say it and say you'll get it corrected. And, you know, we're, we're behind coach we're behind all our coaches in this organization. And it's a it's a tight knit group. And hopefully we're going to build off last week and, and put on a great performance this week.
0: Uh, just overall, from the impression you've got in Baltimore, it's been another tough year with a few injuries and, and been up and down, but you're still very much in the hunt. And uh, the Ravens organization overall has been consistently a winning one over the over its period of time in Baltimore. You've signed that long contract there. Is this the sort of team you think can take you to win that ring and kind of really top your career off?
4: Yeah, that's the plan. That's why I signed here. Uh, you know, it's 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 a special place. From the top down, from the owner, Mr. Bashadi, to the GM, to the people within the organization, uh, it's about one goal and one goal only, and that's finding a way to win a championship. And uh, it's uh, it's just nice to be a part of. It's nice to be a part of an organization that, that wanted you and appreciates you and
0: just trying to give uh, everything I got uh, to them on the field and off. Eric, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a few questions from Ravens fans here in the UK. Uh, Paddy's asked us what your beer of choice is, because he's presumed that you and he are going for a pint when you're out Uh, here.
4: Well, shoot, I I don't mean to disappoint, but I don't (laughs) drink. So I'll definitely go chill with them, but uh, drinking, I got to keep the body nice and... uh, you know, ready to rock all, at all times.
0: I love that. Mark asks, and this is a repeated question, and uh, this is something which I want to know myself as a beard grower and a big beard fan. Do you do anything special to your beard? Do you treat it with anything? Is there anything that you do to get it just so resplendent?
4: <laughs>
0: it's, uh, I just
4: let it grow. I, I trim the sides up by my uh, sideburns a little bit just to make it presentable, but uh, I brush it out every day. I probably shampoo it maybe once or twice a week just to get the knots out. And uh, you know, very seldom put some some beard oil in it just to clump it together so it looks it looks good. But I'm just a throwback. I uh, you know my 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 team doesn't care what I look like as long as I play good. So I might as well rock <laughs> a gnarly beard.
0: As long as you're getting the hits in and, and getting after the quarterback, like we said. And he wanted yep. to. Do, do you really get to the castle at 5:30 in the morning?
4: Oh yeah, it's more like 5:15. But yeah, <laughs> I get in, get in, get my work
0: in, and start preparing good that's amazing and, and and finally this comes directly from the baltimore ravens uk twitter page the, the uk fan base he wants to know what flavor ice cream you've got lined up for when you beat the steelers on christmas day
4: oh man it's it's been running through my mind you know I, I, as most people know that my my dirty secret is out that after wins i just i just divulge in in gallons of ice cream uh to celebrate our wins so I'm, I'm kind of thinking of some toppings of some Oreo white chocolate uh, Hershey bars with some graham cracker, maybe some marshmallows, some sprinkles. Uh, those are definitely going to be in the mix. I haven't decided what kind of ice creams I will buy, but it's going to happen. And, and if we get this win, it's definitely going to go down.
0: I don't like this if. When you get this win at the weekend, win. There you go. we want to see the playoff-bound Baltimore Ravens being London-bound next season. And uh, yeah, you can bring us, I mean, hopefully maybe even a championship ring to show off when we take you round to some kind of high-end London ice cream parlor. Oh man, that would be a dream come true. <laughs> Brilliant stuff, like Eric. It's uh, really fun chatting with you. You could chat football all day. But a Merry Christmas to you and hopefully it's a very merry one for you in Hinesfield. YouTube, buddy. Thanks for having me on look forward to uh, seeing you in person. Great. So that was Eric Weddle joining us on the Gridiron show slash the Talksport 2 show. This is a bit of a highlight clips put together show from that show and from a bit, few bits, pieces of our own stuff. But you got the exclusive full 12-13 minutes with eric Weddle, not the seven minutes that we had to put out on Talksport sport 2 so I feel privileged uh i really shouldn't be acting like that makes me sound like the ultimate triple b uh joining us now from our illustrious sponsor and a big ravens fan i'm sure he'll have thoroughly enjoyed the eric Weddle interview is ben mortimer from touchdown trips getting you in the game ben welcome to the show
3: Hi, well, thanks for having me. Hello,
0: Eric Weddle. Yeah, what a man. What a lovely guy. Um, we definitely need to arrange finding a high-end ice cream parlour to buy him a tub of ice cream for, for when they inevitably beat the Jags at Wembley in week three or four of the season.
3: I'll get him, uh, yeah, tons of hardened ass, if if or, or any other ice cream that you want to name. Uh, should he, uh, should he do his job back there? I'm sure he will. It was the best um, free agent acquisition we took over the over the off season, and uh, we certainly needed a bit of steel back there. And uh, hopefully, he'll he'll do the job next year, and also in Pittsburgh on uh, Christmas night.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. Christmas Day, like a Christmas Day game, is the most incredible thing, and uh, I, I just. I can't even begin to comprehend that as a as a football fan going and spending your Christmas day there. But imagine if you're a road team and you're as a fan travelling to go to that game. You'd probably have to spend 2-3 days away from home to go to it. It's a bit nuts.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a unique atmosphere. I actually went to I've been to one Christmas day game and it was um uh, the Ravens playing the Vikings in 05. So, I had to um convince my wife who um it's not a million miles from me during this interview at the moment. Um, to leave <laughs> her parents on Christmas morning so we could actually drive back to Baltimore from New Jersey and um and spend an afternoon with some, some semi strangers before we went to Tailgate and, and went to the game. And it was it was a, it was a festive atmosphere, people were wearing Santa hats. Um, if you remember Carl Bowler he actually had one of his career games that day and uh, and they actually hammered the Vikings that night so uh, i have fond memories of, um, of of christmas day games and uh, it is it is a unique thing i think most of the sports have a sort of degree of humanity for players and fans and let them stay at home but you know, NFL,
0: they, they do what they do and uh, it can be fun. And now, uh, we're planning with you next year and then a lot of the guys who listen to the show and girls, I'm sure, uh, have shown a huge amount of interest in our trip for next year. We're talking about doing a Dirty South trip. we see how good the Titans have been this year uh, in particular mm-hmm. and obviously things like the game announcement brings us one step closer to knowing when we're going to look to go out and do this but it's very difficult without the the schedule and everything else so uh, first of all well, what stage are we at where what are the plans for this trip and and how exciting is it that we're going to get to the south because that's what i've wanted to do for years
3: yeah i think you know firstly geographically um, that's the area we've we've Pretty much fixed on. Uh, it's, as you said, Will, it, it's it's a really um, cool area of the US to go and see uh, football played. So uh, we we are at a decent point as far as um, contingency plans and the you know, kind of ideas for things to do within the the sort of various states that, that we could visit. Um, and because it's a fairly you know spread out area, we're pretty confident that we'll have. At least a couple of good NFL games that we can um, that we can hop across to. Um, it could include any one of you know the Falcons um, and then you know the Titans, the, the Saints. Uh, you know it could potentially we could kind of veer out of the south a little bit and even do a Cowboys game. And the only reason I say that is because I know that um, some of the guys did that this year as well. But as as Ollie would testify, uh, AT and T is a pretty phenomenal place to go. So um, and there are direct flights back with BA. so so that could be something we could throw in. But as far as the um, uh, the, yeah, the sort of the main elements would go. You know, we'd be looking at at least a college game. We could we could be looking at a Bulldogs game. We could be looking at an LSU game. We could be looking at a Bama game, um, and uh, all of those um, sort of receptives and 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 local um, tourist balls have been very supportive and helping us make sure that we have a really good time there. But also, you know, as far as Louisiana, I'm looking at potentially putting in a a, a Friday night lights kind of experience and doing oh, a high school yes. game as well.
0: That's, um, I love that. I love that. Yeah, we
3: have we have we have a we have a, a guy uh, that can sort that out for us, and so I think that would be something I'd, I'd really like to do, and, and uh, I think that would be positively received. So yeah, I think in January, I'm thinking early January at the moment, we'll be sending the first sort of um, general email out to the uh, to the guys that have signed up. So anyone listening right now, if you are interested, uh, even if you're not, you know, committed to it, or you're you, you still sort of on the fence. Um, you yeah, know, just um, do sign up because we'll keep you informed, and obviously we'll keep uh, everyone advised of developments here as well. But it's going to be a really cool trip. So you know,
0: So if people want to register interest, and, and we haven't even mentioned the college teams around that area. You know, we might again. It's all down to scheduling everything else, but yeah, yeah it's an amazing area for college football as well. The likes of Bama, Louisiana, you mentioned; those kind of teams are all in and around that region. So if people want to sign up, and they do want to find out more, and they want to get in touch with you. Particularly when they're thinking, you know, Christmas is going to be out of the way. That's the time to start saving and getting ready mm-hmm. for what is going to be the trip of a lifetime. What's the best way of them doing that with you, as it were?
3: Okay, you can. Um, the best way is probably just to send a email to to me, um, to ben at touchdowntrips dot com, um, and just send me your uh, you know your, your name and email and saying that you're interested in I Tour Twenty Seventeen. I'll put you down there. We do also have you know our Facebook page. You can message us through that, which is facebook dot com slash touchdowntrips. Um, twitter.com slash touchdown trips. Um, so we are reachable on all the main sites and our website surprisingly is touchdown tripscom so um, <laughs> you know we can, you, can, you can reach us through all those mediums and uh, we'll put you down keep you advised of um, of plans and we're also very keen on getting feedback as well from listeners so if there's anything particularly that you think oh hang on a second I've always wanted to you know see uh, Robert Smith junior high school play then send me an email and, and you know, we'll,
0: we'll see. You guys. <laughs> uh, what, what about um, have you got anything uh, on at the moment anything in particular that you want to point people towards uh, anything planned for the new year beyond the gridiron trip
3: yeah I mean I think um, uh, if anyone has any you know anything they want to do for new year I know it's only t- 10 days away or 8 days away but we do have uh, if you look at our site at the moment we've got a um, we updated our NCAA page um, with a couple of um, bowl NFL doubleheaders and, and I, I'm, I'd i love to do this if I didn't have three kids but um, and the first one would be uh, doing the peach bowl Um, which is obviously seeing Alabama play the Washington Huskies. Um, And the following day, you get to see um, the Falcons play the Saints uh, all in the Georgia Dome. So you just hang out in in Atlanta for three days and you can see two great games. Um, Or go down to Miami and you can see the um, Orange Bowl, which is FSU, um, and they're taking on, I think, the Wolverines this year. And then you've got... um, uh, the Dolphins playing the Patriots, which could also be a quite a tasty game, considering how the Dolphins have um, come back the last couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, I mean uh, th- th- those are interesting. And then the other thing we're looking at at the moment is the um, uh, what else do we put on our side? Oh, yeah that's right and then the um the the, the divisional playoff stuff um you yeah, know we 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 will keep updating the site with um playoff opportunities for fans who are you know obviously raiders fans and things like that they're probably going to get a home game but we've already got on our website the um the patriots and dallas um, divisional weekends because you know we're pretty sure that they'll both be playing at home and getting a bye at this point barring catastrophe so um, well
0: Patriots yeah. are already confirmed for a bye and yeah, yeah the only reason Cowboys aren't is because of the Giants I was looking at that Patriots Dolphins game and actually thinking as a Ravens fan have you ever rooted for Tom Brady more
2: yeah yeah
3: <laughs> um, in, in that one uh, but I, I hopefully uh, in the um, uh, it won't be it won't be a factor cause, uh, I, mean, I think with, with the, as far as the Ravens go for the uh, uh, for the rest of the season, it's, it's win or go home. So uh, there's, there's no, there's no, there's no middle ground at the moment. It's uh, you know, it's you've got to win in Pittsburgh. You've got to go to Cincinnati and win that game, and uh, we'll see if they can do that. Uh, after 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 last Monday, uh, that was pretty bad in in, in Foxborough, um, and uh, and nearly nearly losing uh, with the ridiculous interception on on Sunday wasn't great either. So uh, I, I, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm less confident than I was this time. Oh, oh, nine days ago put it that way about about the ravens going into, into pittsburgh but
0: we'll see beautiful stuff ben mortimer from touchdown trips check them out touchdowntrips.com and get in and get signed up nice and early for the gridiron tour 2017 seventeen. will bring you as much info as possible the key thing being ben is already working his tail off to get the experience as fantastic as possible before we've even touched down so it's going to be fantastic check it out there touchdowntrips.com or over social media at touchdown trips cheers ben thank you will talk to you later cheers baltimore raven safety eric Weddle, and then afterwards ben mortimer from touchdown trips lots of exciting news uh, ahead of the, the the trip for this year because matt what it sounds like ben is doing in advance is even though obviously we can't announce dates and everything before the schedule because we've decided where we want to go and the kind of places we want to see he's already speaking with tourist boards he's already speaking with uh, local venues and making sure that we can get some fantastic experiences while we're out there so uh, go and sign up at touchdowntrips.com for all the latest and and um just to say as well whilst we're on the topic Uh, Keep an eye on your inboxes if you've previously been to our Super Bowl party or to our uh, post-international series party because details of the announcement of our Super Bowl party for 2017 will be coming to your inboxes and you're going to get an exclusive chance to buy your tickets in advance of them going on general sale if you have attended a previous party. So that will be coming to you over the next few days. All very exciting stuff, Matt.
1: It is exciting, Matt. I think... We, we had great fun, did the International Series party. It was, it was really nice to meet a lot of the guys who listen to this show, read the magazine. And, and yeah, I mean, it, I'm, it, I'd urge them to join us and everything else that we're doing because we're creating these things for that for those fans and, and hopefully they enjoy them.
0: Uh, let's talk about the, the rest of the fine five because we kind of haven't touched it yet and then we'll preview Thursday night football which is Giants at Eagles um, we've already discussed the Packers who are in there at four uh, we kind of briefly started to talk about the Giants but w- what's your take on what their defence is doing at the moment?
1: Yeah I mean I've not been a believer all year to be honest and, and, and I will look at the it's an interesting one I don't think it's anything like Denver's defence last year I think it's a really good defence that will probably keep a good team in the low twenties in playoff games. Um, they, they are looking, they are looking legit compared to what I thought. And I think the Jason Pierre-Paul thing will, will impact them down the, at the end of the year and into the playoffs because he was he was playing really well again, and that that them the, the two really good edge rushers. But they're very difficult to run the ball on because they have the best run, run stuff and defensive tackle in the league. And and the secondary is is really good. I mean, Rogers Cromartie's been a great cornerback for a few years and has actually transitioned into a slot cornerback, effectively. Janoris Jenkins, who... I mean, I slayed a lot of the Giants' off-season moves and I'm prepared to eat the humble pie because they've all worked (laughs) out. Jenkins has been great. Vernon's been really good. And and Snacks Harrison's been what everybody knew he was going to be. So I think it's a legitimate defence. I think the problem the Giants are going to run into is as much as Odell Beckham will probably give you one huge player a game, that's what we we're seeing at the moment. Their offense is terrible. And yeah,
0: and properly in, in terrible. every facet
1: as well, it's it's awful. Manning's playing badly. They've got some good, good weapons, but they can't run the ball. The left tackle's horrible. And, and you just think that'll catch, catch up with them in the playoffs, because I'm not sure the defense is so good that, like Denver last year, they can win it just on the defense. I think there's... there's there's matchups to be exploited in the defense. you I look at the linebackers and think you, you could you could have some fun against those if you had a, a quarterback who can can get the matchups that he wants by moving things around pre-snap, and and you're looking at guys like Rodgers who can do that, and Russell Wilson even could do that I think in the playoffs, and then if they got to the Super Bowl, obviously. Tom Brady would, I think, relish that matchup. Even though the Giants have that hoodoo over the period, um, so I think it'll catch up with them. But I think they're going to be a, a, a threatening playoff team, which is actually more than I thought even three weeks ago. Because I thought yeah. this stretch of games would would catch them out.
0: I think it's interesting. Their front four has been so good this year, particularly when uh, JPP is fit and available Olivia Vernon has been uh, whilst last year obviously when he had uh, Ndamukong in sue inside it was all about getting to the quarterback for him in those last eight games of the year he's still got good tackle for loss statistics he's still got you know decent quarterback hit statistics but actually he's been brilliant in the run alongside Snacks yeah. as well Um, actually you mentioned the linebackers and I think they're hidden a little bit at the moment because they're playing a huge amount of nickel and they're doing that because they've got three really strong corners you mentioned Rodgers Gramati, Janoris Jenkins but actually Eli Eli Attle as well he's been one of the best draft picks this year and kind of quietly because he's really complimented what they do on that defence he's played across all three corner positions both sides and in the slot and I've been really really impressed when they've had him in the rotation as well but yeah if you don't get the big play out of Odell Beckham it's like when McAdoo first came in they kept doing what they had been doing on offence but worked in some of McAdoo's dink and dunk short yardage west coast whatever you want to call it And now this year they've tried to go all that way and it's just not worked at all. They haven't, despite having one of the best downfield receivers or Slant route receivers, or whatever. Like He can do literally anything, Odell Beckham. They've just not moved him around at all. They tend to keep him in a single position. And what happens, you see when they move Odell Beckham around and it confuses the matchups, and it confuses the opposition defence because you're moving him in and out of the slot, cross the formation. Suddenly, defences start to struggle because those mismatches come. And they just look scared to do it. They're almost like, no, you're too good. We'll put you in a one-on-one situation and hopefully we'll know you'll beat the guy. And I just think utilise what he's good at and when they do that they can do some impressive stuff but I, do, I think they're too limited on offence to, to do it like down the stretch well at all. Yeah, and then so
1: there's I the mean, fact that Eli as isn't as much playing as he's won well. a couple of Super Bowls he's not played well now for, for, well, since that Super Bowl year, which was 2011 so I mean you're looking at five or six years of Eli Manning not playing great I think he, he started the season post Super Bowl really well but since then has just tailed off progressively
0: But then they've got the Eagles on Thursday night. And if you want to talk about a team tailing off, (laughs) the Eagles compared with the early part of the year. The moment Lane Johnson went down and suddenly they weren't getting... Carson Wentz proper protection and proper time they just seem to fall off a cliff in the biggest way possible and I know that it's a short week and I know that it's on the road for the Giants and it's going to be cold and yada yada yada. but I do I just can't see the Eagles moving the ball on the Giants um, Ryan Matthews was very impressive again on Sunday maybe that's the key maybe it's run on them but the Giants run defence has been so good so I'd be yeah. really surprised to see anything other than a Giants win tomorrow night
2: yeah, I think it'll
1: be a close game I think all Giants games are generally close I think this will be the same And and I think the cold is another thing that'll hit the Giants down the stretch Because they can't run the ball You need to be able to run the ball in the cold weather And I think that's a problem But, yeah, I mean, you would think they'd get the win I mean, the Eagles must be on a, a several game losing streak Was their last win against Atlanta, maybe?
0: Oh, blimey, yes I mean,
1: Like a few weeks ago um, So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a difficult one to see them To see the Eagles pulling this out, to be honest Um and you're right about Lane Johnson. I don't think enough has been said about that. A lot of comparisons between Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott at the start of the year. And I think the difference is that Prescott's brilliant offensive line stayed healthy. And um, there are some problems with Wentz. I think his throw motion needs tightening up and a couple of other things. But I think if Lane Johnson stays healthy, the Eagles are a lot more competitive than, than they have been with him
0: Here's the thing with Dak Prescott as well. And the Cowboys are in it too on the fine five in behind the Patriots. And. He did have a great bounce back against Tampa Bay. There was no doubt. And Tampa Bay's a defense I've really liked. I've loved the coaching for the Tampa Bay defense over recent weeks. I think they've been really well coached. But they are, I still hold by the fact that, and I've been slated for this numerous times this year, they are very good at making it easy for Prescott. Not just in terms of the line keeping him in the hole, but he's not, He's rarely having to read a huge amount of the field, and I think he progresses past two reads, and he starts to struggle. I've seen him miss some real wide-open throws, and I think he's a quarterback who, he's definitely got potential, and he's had a phenomenal rookie season, but the talks of him being in the Offensive Rookie of the Year or the MVP both feel inflated to me. And actually, if I was starting a brand-new franchise, I think I'd still take Carson Wentz.
1: Ooh. Uh, it's a close one I really like what Prescott's done he doesn't throw the ball down the field though does he that's the, that's the no. problem that's the thing that we haven't seen at all um, I like him I mean I'm, I'm always I always like a young quarterback to not turn the ball over which is why I've always been a big fan of Russell Wilson when he came into the league but they have simplified it he's walked into the best situation a rookie quarterback has ever walked into by by distance as well so Yeah, I I think the jury's still out to an extent, and and I agree with you, I don't think he should be the offensive player of the year, and certainly shouldn't be the MVP, but I think he's played really well, he's done the job that they've wanted him to do, I mean, the only thing I would say about Tampa Bay is their defence was built for the Cowboys to move the ball on them, if you look at those matchups, the the smaller linebackers and everything else, it was kind of a defence that was perfectly suited to the Cowboys bouncing back, and that isn't the kind of defence that, that is going to give the Cowboys problems. I, I, that, that's the thing with the NFL, is, is a lot of people look to make things lack and white, but it, it really isn't like that. Match-ups are such a big part of it, and I would say that Tampa Bay are much better equipped to deal with the Saints again this week than they were the Cowboys last week.
0: Uh, just uh, add a question because uh, I forgot to do it when we were discussing it who are you taking on the gridiron-magazine.com predictor game for Thursday Night Football are we both going Giants that's how it felt it was leaning
1: yeah that, that's where I'll be going um, I think it'll be a close game I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles did win but I, I think the Giants will they'll just have enough they'll probably score some points on defence or at least get turnovers that lead to points to win the game
0: I'm just getting mine in now although I don't think the match has been done yet do you want me to do that when finished on the line yeah, shit, yeah. <laughs> that's fine, and I'll remember to bleep that out as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> look, you've got a young lad; it's all good. We we all understand. Uh, whilst I'm lying here falling asleep watching the Secret Life of the Zoo on daytime TV, uh, uh-huh. you, <laughs> you've got much more important things to do. Uh, this is like my first day off in ages, and I am literally enjoying it by doing nothing. Um, yeah, sure, uh, and, and finally, uh, I, uh, we uh, we probably need to address the top of our fine five, and uh, particularly when uh, I've not really allowed you to speak about them yet. The New England Patriots, back-to-back wins against Baltimore and Denver, two teams who have previously maybe had a little bit of a hoodoo over the Patriots, or at least that's what people like to think. Um, and the big thing for me is not just... How they've done without Rob Gronkowski and how good those uh, that backfield has looked. Uh, current Blunt, 15 touchdowns is ludicrous. But it's the fact that four or five weeks ago, I'd be telling you, yeah, that Patriots defense doesn't look like it's built for the playoffs. I'm not so sure they're going to be able to survive on that side of the ball. And it's just got better and better and better over the past four or five weeks.
1: It does do that. I mean, I'd kind of lost belief in the defence a few weeks ago to the point where I'd basically written off their Super Bowl chances. But (laughs) if if you look back through history, I mean, this is why Belichick is... I mean, I think he's almost becoming a little bit more underrated as a defensive mind in some senses. But it's because he does it so differently to anybody else and and he's willing to just allow yardage and and do that. But I think what you see is the defence generally improves through the year. And I even look back to the the 2011 Super Bowl run. I was on a look at that defense the other day when Edelman was playing slot cornerback, um, and it was terrible. And they still only give up like 21 points in the Super Bowl, and, and it, they just the defense always improves as the year goes on. And at the moment, it looks really good. I mean, they've got talent on the defense this year compared to the 2011 version. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that the wins were really impressive. The the nature of the Denver win on a horrifically cold day where the passing game wasn't a factor at all, it wasn't even really in the game plan, I think, spoke to a team that can win in a variety of different ways. And I think when you get down to it at the end of the season, you want that kind of team who can win in various ways.
0: Matt, what's your favourite Christmas song?
1: Uh, The Pogues. Fairy tale of New York. Well, I've got three or four, but that's probably my
0: favourite. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's the it's the uh, the the everyone's favourite, really, isn't it? Like, it's the one that everyone knows is really the best Christmas song. We did this on the NFL show on TalkSport Two last night, and for all of our guests, we played in their favourite Christmas song. So to play us out today, let's have a little bit of the Pogues. Oh well, there's going to be an advert first, isn't there? Bloody YouTube. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. I turned the fader down just in time. Matt, thank you for uh, joining us. Enjoy your first Christmas as a father. It's a lovely thing and uh, yeah go online check us out at gridiron-magazine.com at gridiron on twitter uh, Touchdown Trips uh, our sponsor and, and get involved at touchdowntrips.com ready for the trip and uh, Matthew Merry Christmas to you sir Merry Christmas
1: to you well thanks
0: And
4: another one and sang a song the rain- You, I turned my face away and dreamed about you, God.
1: See a better time When all our dreams
0: It's Dev off the radio here We're doing a brand new podcast from Lucas Sport called Running The Show And I'm Sam Thompson from Made In Chelsea hey. I'll be joining annoying slash being overly affectionate with Dev For the next 12 weeks as we both take up running for the first time Make sure you join us on all your podcast providers To find out which one of us is killing the training And which one of us is hating every second Probably
2: me